A wild week four of the NFL season is wrapped up. You're listening to the Gridiron Authority podcast with Keith Thornton and Mike Adams. Mike, what do we have in store for our listeners this week? On this week's episode, we're going to be going over NFL news and uh, highlights, and we're also going to be going over our picks for last week and our picks for this upcoming week. So we have a lot to cover. It should be a good episode. All right, let's get to it. All right, week four of the NFL season's in the books. Let's get started with a bit of the news coming out of week four. Uh, the Chargers were definitely happy to welcome back holdout Melvin Gordon this week. He dressed and traveled to Miami but played an emergency role, didn't actually play any snaps. Uh, he appears to be good to go full force next week. Uh, this brings an end to the last holdout of the season. We've been talking about it since the preseason, so glad that's finally over. How do you think this helps the Chargers offense? I mean, Melvin Gordon's a, a top 10 running back in the league. So anytime you add that, you know, to your offense, it's going to be a, an improvement. Uh, Austin Eckler and Jackson have, you know, played uh, admirably so far. Eckler's actually been, you know, actually been really good. Um, but at the end of the day, he's no Melvin Gordon. Um, he's not that workhorse running back. Um, you know, he's more, I see him more as a pass catching, you know, back that can also run it a little bit. Uh, what the Chargers need is that workhorse. And that's what Melvin Gordon is. So, um, and and Philip Rivers statistically has proven throughout his career he's better when he has Melvin Gordon in the lineup. So uh, I I think now that the Chargers have gotten past their early season you know slow start that they always have, uh, getting Melvin Gordon back I think this is where we're going to see what kind of team they really are. Yeah, we said it last week that the Dolphins matchup couldn't really come at a better time because they started the season slow. Um, I think had they gone against pretty much any other team last week, they probably would have lost because they started out really slow against a really bad Dolphins team. Now they're going to get Melvin Gordon back, and I think it's uh, it's good timing for the Chargers. They should be able to rebound nicely. Yeah, for sure. All right, on to some injury news. Chicago quarterback Mitch Trubisky went down with a really nasty-looking shoulder injury. Uh, it turns out he had, I think, a separated shoulder and a partial labrum tear. Uh, Chase Daniels came in, played good enough for the Bears to get a win. In the preseason, we talked about how much the Bears missed Trubisky when he went down last year. Um, with the way Trubisky's kind of struggled at the beginning of this season, does this injury hurt the Bears as much this year as it did last year, or is Chase Daniel going to be able to keep things afloat? Um, I don't think it hurts as much this year as last year. I mean, Trubisky had a good year last year statistically. I mean, he, he was a good quarterback, um, putting up good numbers last year. He's not really doing that this year. So I think all Daniels has to do is really just kind of come in and, and hold the ship steady, um, just really don't mess anything up and make a few throws here and there and, and uh, you know, make enough plays to where they can't just stack the box. Um, and if he can do that with that defense that they have, I mean, all they really have to do is put up you know, 15 points or more in a week and they're going to have an opportunity to win the game. So, um, I think they're going to, I think they're going to be fine overall. Um, this upcoming week, they play the Raiders. They should be able to beat the Raiders. Then they have a bye week and then they play the saints, um, who are still likely to be without drew Brees at that point. Uh, and, and I, obviously this, you know, Bridgewater, he's won his last two games as a starter, but he also hasn't gone against a defense, the caliber of the bears. So, um, I mean, the, the, I think the Bears, will they're going to be fine. Um, I honestly expect them to win their next two games. Um, and hopefully Trubisky comes back sooner rather than later, which is the you know the consensus right now. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, and another injury news for the quarterback position. Bills quarterback Josh Allen got a nasty helmet-to-helmet -helmet hit against the Patriots. 
Um, even though he kind of struggled early and threw a few picks, the Bills really gave the Patriots all they could handle in that game. If he misses time, how much does the Allen injury derail what the Bills are kind of building this year? Uh, I mean, I think this one's a lot more significant. Uh, I mean, Allen was was not really having a great game um, or even really a good game against the Patriots. That was a on both sides of the ball. That was a great defensive game. Um, but when you look at it, uh, you know, Matt Barkley, just he's not Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a, is a far superior runner. Uh, Allen's got one of, if not the best arm in all of football. So he can he can obviously stretch the field more than Barkley. And he can also fit the ball into some areas that Barkley just can't. Um I think if he does miss any time, I would expect it to probably only be a week. But, I mean, if Bar- if they can come in and, and kind of do what the Steelers did with Mason Rudolph uh, on Monday Night Football and just, you know, allow Barkley to, you know, those short, you know, easy completions, build the confidence, let some of those guys make some some plays after the catch. Um, I mean, I, they could – they may be able to squeak out the win this week, but – um, I mean, it, this to me is a, a lot bigger injury than, than the, uh, the Trubisky one. All right, so let's cover some more injury news. Uh, you know, it's kind of a when it rains, it pours thing for the Denver Broncos, but they finally got to the quarterback this week, got their first couple sacks of the season, and then they get the devastating news that Bradley Chubb's out for the season with a torn ACL. Um, it's big news, not only because Chubb's a really great player, but also, it makes it easier to double-team Von Miller when he's not there. They don't have to worry about stud players coming from either side of the, the line. So, uh, the team sitting at 0-4, combine that with this big injury. How do you see the rest of the Broncos' season playing out? I mean, it's it's not going to be good, honestly. Um, I mean, they're 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 not a very good team at the moment, and, and this is only going to make them worse. Uh, honestly, if, if they hit five wins, I'd be surprised. At this point, they're already 0-4, so... Um, I mean, I, I, if they go five and seven over the next, uh, 11 or 12 weeks, sorry. Um, I would, I would be very surprised honestly at that. So, um, to me, I could see this honestly being a three or four win season for him. Yeah. And that'll just be devastating to Broncos fans who had high hopes for Vic Fangio coming in with his defense. Yeah, for sure. All right, I kind of want to get your opinion on this. So another scary injury happened in the Chiefs-Lions game. Uh, TJ Hawkinson attempted to do the jump hurdle over a defender, got upended, came down hard on his head and shoulder, and was really down the field for a long time. Uh, He got put in the concussion protocol, plus he has the shoulder injury. The announcers in the game made an interesting point. They said that, you know, hurdling defenders is rarely making plays anymore, and it's getting dangerous. Uh, when I was doing some research and looking at it, hurdling defenders like this has been deemed illegal in high school already since 2012 due to the injury risk. Because once you leave the ground, there's nothing you can really do to avoid anything. People hit your legs, you're going to come straight down on your head. So uh, should the NFL players be more hesitant to do the crazy jumping hurdle now that defenders are kind of playing it differently and hitting the legs? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, you know, do it at your own peril, honestly. It's... Um, I mean, you do see those guys like Zeke Elliott and Saquon Barkley and guys like that that make these incredible plays and they'll, you know, sometimes pick up an extra 15 or 20 yards after it. But to me, if if it's if you hurdling a guy and potentially being hurt is the difference between, you know, a, a big play and and like two or three yards to me, it's really not worth it. Um you know, if all you're really going to gain is another two yards or three yards, you know, just just run out of bounds or lower the shoulder. Don't don't uh, don't do the hurdle. Don't don't risk a concussion or like you said, a shoulder injury with Hawkinson. 
Um, so I, I just say do it at your own peril. I mean, it's it's a judgment call. It's an in-the-moment call. Um, and yeah, that's really how I feel. And one of these things, too, it's not just the injury potential for the guy that's in the air, but if you're going to tackle somebody and you're diving and they start jumping in the air, you're going to get kneed in the head, kicked in the face. You know, it goes injuries both ways. It's kind of a, a scary situation. I never really it's, – it's always one of those things that's really fun to watch people do if it works. But, you know, you saw that kid – I can't remember which school it went against, but he's going against Kansas State. He got up into the air, got helicoptered, and ended up gaining like, you know, he went 10 foot in the air, spun around, hit the ground. So luckily he didn't get seriously injured. Yeah, I, I do remember watching that. Uh, God. Was it Mississippi State maybe? Yeah, I think it was maybe Mississippi State. I think it was their quarterback. I think that was actually to end the game. Um, I think yeah. that was or, – or or basically put it away. I don't think it was the last play, but it was – I think that was fourth down. Um but yeah, I mean it's it's a fun play to watch, but at the same time, I mean it's you know it's it's a no you know do it at your own peril kind of thing. So yeah, I agree. All right, so another news, another one of John Gruden's questionable offseason moves kind of backfired on the Raiders this week. Uh, the well known as well as far as I think is the well known dirtiest player in the NFL, Vontez Perfect, was at it again with just a it really was a disgusting helmet to helmet hit on a player who was actually on his knees. All it took was two hand touch and he's down, or even one hand touch and he's down. Instead, he launches with the head. Uh, Perfect was ejected from the game and later suspended by the NFL for the rest of the season. Uh, the part that really disgusted me is as he ran off the field, he was blowing kisses to the Colts fans, taunting them. Uh, this is going to go down as the longest suspension for an on field issue in NFL history. Uh, we all know what kind of player Perfect is and has always been. Do you think the length of the suspension fits the crime here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, throughout his career, he's, he's had, he's been either suspended or fined 13 times. Um, you know, he's been suspended 10 games. He's been fined over $2 million. I think it's 2.2 million. Um, so, I mean, it's one of those, you know, you do it once it's an accident. You do it twice. It's a coincidence three or more times. Um, it, it's a, um, uh, it's a pattern and and right now I mean he's 13 times it's obviously it's, it's a serious pattern so um, I mean you saw the other Raiders player hit Doyle when he was down as well but the difference between them I think is that is that perfect lowered his head and launched himself at Doyle um, whereas the other the other player I can't think of who it was at the at the time but uh, I mean, he he just more or less went down to make contact with him. He he didn't try and and launch himself. He didn't try and lower that helmet. Uh, I mean, perfect. Uh, he he. I mean, they knew what they were getting when they signed him. They knew this was a possibility. Um, I mean, he's he's been the dirtiest player in the league for the last seven eight years. Obviously, he cost the Bengals a playoff win uh, back in 2015 with that hit on uh, Antonio Brown. Uh, so I mean, they knew what they were signing, and and you know now this is this is what they get for it. Kind of, um, I do think it, it fits for sure. Honestly, to me, I don't, if I'm a team, I wouldn't sign him. I, I think he's out of the league after this, honestly. Yeah. And let's take a look at some other John Gruden off season things. A lot of people were heaping praise on Gruden for giving these guys second chances, but he signed Antonio Brown, who arguably was one of the biggest off the field problems in the NFL. Then he signs and builds a defense around the guy who, is hands down the biggest problem on the field in the NFL. Um, and then they go and sign Richie Incognito, who went on a psychopathic rampage at a funeral home trying to cut off his deceased father's head and threaten to shoot up the funeral home. 
Uh, I kind of think John Gruden was trying to build a team like Al Davis would have, and that's get the NFL outcasts all grouped together and hope that it works out for him. But so far, it doesn't seem like it's been working for him. Uh, what's next for this Raiders team? Uh, I mean, this was going into the season. I always said this was a, a prepping year for next year. Next year's the big year, I think. That's the year you're looking for the Raiders to to make that move. And I think the Burfick signing was really just kind of a one-year, you know, fill-in, you know, a fill-in spot. And same thing with Incognito. Uh, Antonio Brown, I think they were hoping for more out of. Um, but, I mean, it's – I don't think it sets them back really at all. Um, they knew this year they weren't going to make the playoffs. I think – if they win six or seven games this year, I think they'd find that a, to be a successful season. Um, you're just looking for that progression out of them right now. Um, next year is the year we're really looking for, though. Yeah, I agree. So that kind of wraps up our news. Let's dive into the week's recap. Let's start with the Thursday night game. Uh, the Eagles kind of surprised everyone and knocked off the undefeated Packers 34-27. What do you think of this game? Uh, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a deceiving game, honestly, because – uh, the Eagles obviously won the game. We knew that that the Packers, the weakness in their defense is that they can't defend the run, and and uh, that was the weakness for them on, on Thursday night as well. Jordan Howard, um, I think, had 87 yards and a couple touchdowns. Um, you look at Wentz, Wentz really didn't do much. I mean, he, he was 16-27, and 27, so, you know, completion percentage in the 50s, uh, only threw for 160 yards. He did have three touchdowns, and that part's nice. Um, that's a good confidence builder. Um, but I mean, it was, it was kind of a, it was kind of a weird game. I mean, you think the numbers would be higher with, uh, with the amount of points they put up, um, from both teams. Cause I mean, the Packers didn't run the ball very well at all. Um, Aaron Rodgers threw it pretty well. Um, but I mean, it was, it was a good win for the Eagles. It was, uh, you know, I don't think it was a bad loss for the Packers. I think they, they were a little sloppy. I think had Devonte Adams not been hurt at the end, I think they probably would have pulled off the win, honestly. Um, he was unstoppable throughout the entire game, but, um, I mean, it's a good win for the Eagles. Good, you know, good to get them back in the win column. Good to get some momentum for them. The Packers, like I said, I don't think it's a bad loss. Um, I think they just kind of caught them on an off night. So. Yeah. I expected more out of the Packers defense. Uh, I don't, I don't really think that the Eagles are that great of a team this year. So I think you're right on where it just kind of caught them off guard. I expect them to rebound. They do have a tough matchup against the Cowboys this week. All right. And Daniel Jones, second start. The Giants got a big win over the Redskins. Uh, like we kind of talked about last week, Dwayne Haskins made his debut, replacing Case Keenum during the game. Uh, his debut didn't live up to the Daniel Jones rookie hype. He threw three interceptions, no touchdowns in the loss. Uh, what'd you think about Dwayne Haskins and the Redskins in this one? The game kind of went the way I thought it would go. I mean, the, the Giants, uh, are, I mean, they're both bad teams, but the Giants are in a little bit better shape, uh, even with uh, Saquon Barkley out. Uh, Daniel Jones didn't have an amazing game, uh, threw for 225, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, he did make some plays with his legs again, which we talked about last week. It's, it's kind of the big difference between he and Eli Manning. But, uh, uh, you know, with, with Washington, that game went the way, you know, I thought it would for them when they put Haskins in. They've been saying the guy's not ready to play. Um, they were kind of forced to put him in with how Case Keenum was playing. Uh, I mean, right now, honestly, I, I I still I hope he doesn't start this next week. Uh, at this point, you know, Keenum's not working. Uh, Haskins isn't ready. I think maybe give Colt McCoy a shot at least for a week uh, if he's healthy enough. I know he's still having some leg injuries from last year. 
uh, are still coming back from that completely. So um, if he's healthy, I'd say give him at least one start, maybe two starts if he plays well. Um, give Haskins a little more time to to get ready. Um, but, I mean, it was a good win for the Giants. I think they're back to 2-2 two and two now. They're at 500. Uh, they're actually tied with the Eagles in that division, only one game back of the Cowboys. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to go. They're, you know, going to have some tough games coming up. I don't think it's going to go anywhere for them, but at least it's some, you know, it's a good direction. It's some momentum for them. So, uh, I mean, good for the Giants. Yeah, the Redskins are going to have a little bit of a challenge no matter who's at quarterback this week going against the New England Patriots defense, which has been uh, phenomenal this year. So, I don't know if there's a, I think it's a lose-lose no matter who starts for the Je- or Redskins. I mean, yeah, and that, and that to me, that's why I would put Colt McCoy in. He's your safest bet. I mean, Keenum's going to take a little more, you know, risk or is going to take riskier throws than Colt McCoy. Uh, Dwayne Haskins. I mean, you're just feeding him to the wolves at that point. I don't think it's going to help him in any way getting out there and just getting dominated. Um, you know, Colt McCoy. He's going to go down. You know, he doesn't have the best arm, but he's he's accurate. He he has good timing, so he can kind of come in there and and manage that offense maybe a little better than either one of those guys. So for this particular week, I think that's the best, you know, the best guy to go with, honestly, at this point. Yeah. All right. So we got the Chiefs pulling out a close win over the undefeated Lions in Detroit. Uh, it's kind of a weird game. Pat Mahomes didn't throw a single touchdown. And he honestly looked a little bit off. He missed a couple wide open receivers. Um, I got to give credit to the Lions. They were punching the ball out, forced three fumbles on the Chiefs, but the Chiefs still pull out the win. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? I mean, number one, I got to say the Lions, I think, are for real. Um, You know, there were some questions on their competition level, but I mean, those guys, Matt Stafford's having having a phenomenal season. Carry on Johnson ran the ball well. Uh, Defense played pretty solid. Um, With that being said, it's still scary. Like you said, Pat Mahomes didn't even have that great of a game and the Chiefs still put up uh, 34 points, I think. Um so, I mean, it's he had an off game and they still scored like crazy. Uh, another uh, concern I've talked about all season with the Chiefs, though, is, is still their rushing game, though. The uh, uh, you look at it, you know, from from the outside, it looks good. You see 25 attempts, 123 yards, three touchdowns, but you take away McCoy's 39 yard run and you take away uh, Mahomes' uh, 25 yard run. And what's left over is actually 23 attempts for 59 yards. So you take away those two big plays and you're talking about 23 attempts at two and a half yards per uh, on the, you know, on average. Um, And so that's still kind of a concern for me with the chiefs. Um, I mean, it's nice that they got the big runs this week, but you can't count on that every week. So I do want to see some more consistency from the run game. I like that they're sticking with it. They're not just giving up say, like some of these other teams are when it's not working. At least they're they're giving an effort. They're trying to get the running game going. It's just not working. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that maybe they start doing some different looks and different formations, maybe some, some, uh, some cutbacks and, and misdirections, things like that, something to get the offense going uh, or the, the, the running game going, not the offense, obviously. Um, so I have that. That was kind of my big concern with the, the lions. I mean, I think for them, just keep doing what they're doing. I mean, they played a hell of a game. Uh, like I said, Stafford, carry on Johnson, both played great. The defense looked good. They were forcing, uh, they were making, you know, Mahomes look uncomfortable. They were forcing fumbles. They were punching that ball out of there. Um, they were physical with the Chiefs. And, uh, I mean, just keep doing what they're doing. I mean, they look good right now. They look for real. Yeah, a couple of things really stood out for me in this game. I, I'm not too worried about the run game just because, you know, they're they're running Daryl Williams, who before a couple of weeks ago no one even knew who he was. 
Um, obviously, LaShawn McCoy is playing well, better than a lot of people expected. So I'm, I'm not too worried about that, especially when Damian Williams comes back and, and gets the ball rolling. Plus, you know, they pass it more than anything. One thing that did stand out to me in this game, and we talked about it in the preseason, and we talked about it all season last year. So uh, the Chiefs need a two-minute drive. Last year, in every game that they needed a two-minute drive, they scored in about 30 seconds, left too much time on the clock, allowed the other teams to come back. They finally put a two-minute drive together where they run it down and punch it in with 20 seconds left instead of a minute and a half and close the game out. So on that, this is exactly the kind of win I want the Chiefs to get because you're not going to get blowouts every game, and championship teams win close games like this. So I loved seeing it. I mean that that part I I really enjoyed that that was phenomenal to see. Um, I mean that did cost them a couple games last year, um, both games against the Patriots and really that game against the Rams as well. Uh, so I mean that was good to see a, l- a little more patience and and not just you know we've got the power let's go down and score as quick as we can. Don't you know now it was let's go down let's score but let's not leave them any time either. So um, I think some growing and some maturity there with the Chiefs. Yeah, I I really think Pat Mahomes showed some leadership ability too because right before that last drive, if you watched any of the mic'd up segments, he basically said, all we have to do is go out and be ourselves and we can drive down and score. And then on the fourth down play for him to take off and and he actually looked like he had quite a bit of speed on that scramble, just ran straight up the middle, slid down, didn't get hit, uh, made some clutch throws to Travis Kelsey on the drive and really just orchestrated. It was kind of like a, a Peyton Manning or Tom Brady like two minute drive where he just kind of diced up the defense, moved it down the field. He used his legs when he had to, and he got it done. For sure. It was, it was a good win. It was a good quality win. All right. So last week we talked about the up and down season. The Falcons were having, uh, they lose big to the Titans this week. Uh, Mark Mariota throws for two twenty-seven and three touchdowns. Last week, we asked if it's a Dan Quinn problem. What do you think is going on with the Falcons? Because it doesn't matter who they play. When we're doing the picks every week, the games are supposed to win. They have a really good chance of losing. The games are supposed to lose. They still have a really good chance of losing. And and occasionally, they'll pull out a big win like against the Eagles this year. So what's going on with the Falcons? I mean, yeah, it is. It's a Dan Quinn thing without any doubt. I mean, to to kind of focus on both of these teams real fast. I mean, these two these two teams are similar in in the fact that one week they look great and you think they're turning the corner, and then the next week they just lay a you know a goose egg basically. Um, and uh, I mean, this week the Titans look great, but we don't know what they're what we're going to get from them next week. And you know, a couple weeks ago uh, the Falcons looked great, and now they've looked you know, like garbage, but I talked about it last week and I've talked about it on other episodes, the Falcons, for whatever reason, refuse to run the ball. They will not run the ball. They will not give Freeman an opportunity. Uh, you had Ryan throw it 53 times. Uh, Devonte Freeman, uh, you know, your number one running back that you're playing, you're paying number one running back money. He only had 12 attempts. Uh, the team only had 17 attempts. And I mean, I, again, I don't know what, what Dan Quinn's issue is. I don't, I, I don't know if he's just trying to throw it as much as possible because they're spending so much money on Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and they invested a first round pick in Calvin Ridley and, and uh, you know, there, there are other guys that they have out there. Like, I don't know if that's, if that's what's going on, but for whatever reason, he, he refuses to run the ball. He runs it a few times. It doesn't work. And then he just says, okay, well, you know, time to move on just throw it. 
Um, we've, you know, like I said, we've discussed this multiple times, and it goes back to last season and the season before. Um, really, the last time they they ran the ball was, you know, Matt Ryan's MVP season um, a few years ago. And, and if, like I said, for whatever reason, they just they don't want to run it, and I I can't understand why. Yeah, and, and you know, this is kind of crazy to me because. After four games, you hate to start talking about hot seats, but Dan Quinn is definitely on one. And I've already heard rumblings from Falcons fans. They're they're wanting Mike McCarthy as their as their head coach next year. So I, he has no fan backing at this point. And I would definitely say he's on the hot seat. Yeah, I mean, unless he pulls something miraculous off, I mean, I think he's done after this season for sure. All right, so. The Browns kind of disappointed us early in the season, but they did have a back a big bounce back this week. They dropped 40 points on the Ravens, who have a, a really stout defense. Uh, Nick Chubb absolutely went off for 165 yards and three touchdowns, averaging 8.2 yards a carry. Uh, does this win get them back on the right track? We kind of talked last week about how they had a lack of identity. Is their identity pound the rock with Nick Chubb? Uh, I think it is if they'll do it. Um, it's, it kind of goes to the Dan Quinn thing again. It's, uh, we discussed in the first three weeks that they have Nick Chubb and they kind of refuse to use Nick Chubb. Now they finally use him and they see, we see what happens. They put up 40 points. Um, I still have a little bit of concern with Mayfield and, and the passing game. I mean, you, again, you look at his stats and on paper, they look good. He threw for 340, had a touchdown. He still threw an interception. But Odell Beckham only had two catches for 20 yards. Uh, Jarvis Landry had a big game, but he ended up leaving uh, due to injury. Um, I, I think if they their their identity needs to be balanced and it needs to be play action, things like that. And in order to do that, they got to run Nick Chubb. We see what happens when they run Nick Chubb. Uh, it's only going to get better when they get Kareem Hunt, um, you know, midseason. So I think if they decide that they want to run the ball like this every single week, at least give it an opportunity then uh, I, I think they, they have it turned around. But if they next week they decide, you know, Nick Chubb has five carries for 15 yards, they say, well, that's not working. Let's just throw it downfield a bunch. Then, you know, we're right back where, where they were. So, Right, I'm with you on that. I mean, it, it, they keep trying to do the spread offense, Baker Mayfield out of the shotgun, but I, I feel like with the backs that they have, the offensive line that they have, they need to just keep on doing this. And I think they'll be fine if they do it. It's just a, a matter of will they, just like you said. Yeah, for sure. All right. So the Patriots pull off a narrow, hard-fought victory against the Bills. Uh, Patriots offense looked downright terrible in this game. Tom Brady completed less than 50% of his passes for 150 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, luckily for them, their defense – had a pick six, or they might have lost this game. Josh Allen got knocked out in the fourth quarter. Um, if he didn't, we might be talking about a Patriots loss right now. So, what are your thoughts on this game? It was an it was an ugly game on both sides. Uh, uh, there were five interceptions between the two teams. Allen threw three. Barkley, uh, his backup, threw one. Brady threw one, obviously. Um, what kind of surprised me is that the Bills were running the ball well. Uh, Frank Gore, 109 yards on 17 carries, and and uh, it was a close game, and they kind of stopped giving it to him uh, or just didn't feed him as much as I think they should have. Uh, they had a clear advantage running the ball. Uh, they ran for about 30, about 35 yards more than the Patriots did, and they did it on less carries. So, um, I mean, they, they had the, the advantage uh, running for sure, but, um, you know, they, they just kind of 
didn't feed it enough. So, I mean, it, it was a, it was a great defensive game on both sides, but uh, I, both teams definitely need to clean it up a little bit on the offense. Um, Allen, I mean, he's thrown a lot of interceptions early in the season. Hopefully he can get that straightened out, but uh, pay, you know, Patriots, I think they're going to be fine. Everyone has an off game. We saw Mahomes had an off game. Now, now Brady's had an off game in the same week. It happens. Um, but Patriots still won though. I think there might be a little bit more. I mean, Tom Brady really hasn't looked super great all year. I mean, even against the Dolphins, he didn't have a huge game. And I mentioned last week, three straight games against probably the three worst teams in the NFL. Um, now they're playing some better competition. I, I think there is some room to to worry a little bit about this Patriots offense. I mean, if you told me that the Bills throw four picks and Tom Brady doesn't win by three touchdowns, I'd call you a liar. But <laughs> it happened. I mean, he only scored one touchdown one offensive touchdown and they had four turnovers in their favor. So a little crazy. I I mean, it, it, it does look a little worrisome for the Patriots, but we do this every year where we say, this is it. The the Patriots are finally slipping and then come playoff time. It's they're the clear favorites and they dominate everyone and they go win the Super Bowl. So at this point, I mean, if it's, if he's still playing like this come week 12, 13, 14, then, you know, that, that could be some, some uh, room for concern, but, uh, I mean, right now it's, it's, you know, kind of falls in line with the chargers every year. It's, you know, it looks like this is it. This is finally their year. They're slipping They're they're falling down and, and then they have turn it around. Hey, the good news is one of these years we're going to be right. <laughs> there will be that year that they fall right off a cliff on offense. When, when Brady hits that age where he can't sling it downfield. I think this, this year's less about Brady and less and more about, they don't even have any receivers. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're, they're lacking offensive weapons for Brady, uh, whether his game's slipping or not. I just I just don't think they have the pieces on offense to compete like they have in the past. Yeah, I mean, they it, it's it's another one of those. They they have some weapons. I don't think they're they're using them right. I mean, they have Sony Michelle, who's a who to me is a number one workhorse style running back, and he's not really getting a lot of carries um julian edelman's been banged up so that's a little different and and josh gordon i mean he's coming back from being suspended so i think he's still kind of working his way into it a little bit but i mean they definitely they look off this year so far but like i said it happens every year and and they somehow turn it around and keep winning those super bowls so or at least go into the super bowl so well luckily uh, for them they have one of the easier schedules in the nfl this year obviously playing that division isn't the hardest division but i mean they're gonna get a nice bounce back game against the redskins probably so yeah that that should be a good one for them to come back all right so kyle allen and the panthers win again this time against deshaun watson and the texans um kyle allen had three fumbles on three sacks but Somehow they found a way to win it. The Texans are one of those teams, kind of like the Falcons. They got a lot of preseason hype as a Super Bowl contender. Uh, they're two and two now. What? I don't understand what's happening with the Texans because they definitely play up and down to their opponents. They can play, you know, the Chargers beat them. They can play, the, you know, the Panthers lose to a backup quarterback. So what's going on with the Texans? I mean, it uh, offensively, it comes down to pass protection. They traded, you know, they traded all the stuff to get uh, to get Laramie Tunzel in there at left tackle. And this last game against the Panthers, uh, uh, Watson gets sacked six times. Uh, he's been sacked, I think, on average, like four or five, six times every single game. Uh, pass protection doesn't seem any better. 
I mean, they can't keep Watson on his feet. Now, part of that a little bit is Watson tends to hold on to the ball, but I mean, that only factors into a few of those sacks, not all of them. Um, I mean, I, I think what the, the other part right now is that they're, they're missing, uh, Lamar Miller. I mean, for, you know, a lot of people called him an average back, but the thing is, is Lamar Miller could run the ball. He could catch the ball. Now it's, you know, if Carlos Hyde is in there, you know, it's either going to be a run to Carlos Hyde or a play action. Carlos Hyde is probably not going to get a catch. And if he does, he's not going to do anything with it. He had four catches for six yards this last game. Uh, so if he does catch the ball out of the backfield, he's not going to do anything. And same thing with Duke Johnson. You know, you don't really have to worry about Duke Johnson running the ball. You only have to worry about Duke Johnson catching the ball. Um, he's more dangerous. You know, he's like a James White style running back. So they've, you know, when you see those running backs in there, it's predictable what they're going to do. Um, and then at the same time, you also know that they can't protect uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, the defense, I think, has played okay. I mean, they've had streaks where they've looked great and streaks where they looked a little bad. But uh, right now, I think it's just the offense is predictable and they can't protect Deshaun Watson. And since we're talking about hot seats, I I put Bill O'Brien right on there. He's had so many years to build this thing. This year, he kind of gets GM powers, makes all these trades, and they're no better off than they were last year. Actually, they at this point in time, they're a little bit worse than they were last year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and like I said, I mean the the trades that they made aren't aren't really working out. I mean, they I'm not blaming it on Laramie Tunzel. I think it's more the rest of the offensive line. Um, and Kenny Stills, I mean, he's had some big plays and stuff, but they're just. I mean, right now it, they look like wasted trades um, because Deshaun Watson, like I said, he's not staying on his feet any more than he was before. So you just gave up all that that collateral for for nothing. And on top of that, you see Javion Clowney getting pick sixes in Seattle, making a difference there. Uh, that's obviously a key piece their defense doesn't have anymore. Yeah, for sure, and and you basically just gave him away. I mean, you didn't even really get anything out of him. That'll be one to watch for sure come the end of the season. All right, so in Los Angeles, the Bucks just absolutely go nuts, score 55 points against the defending NFC champs, the Rams, and uh, Jameis Winston threw for 385 and four TDs. Are the Bucks kind of all of a sudden for real, or do the Rams have some issues we don't really know about on defense? Uh, I think it's I think it's both. Um, I mean, I, I talked about before the season, you know, what Bruce Arians has done with different quarterbacks throughout his career. And, you know, the first week, Winston looked a little shaky through two touchdowns to three interceptions. Since then, uh, I think in the last three games, he's at seven or eight touchdowns to one interception, I believe, maybe two. Uh, I mean, Winston is he looks for real. I mean, he looks confident out there. He's making good throws. Uh, good decision making for the most part. Um, the pick he did throw against uh, the Rams. I mean, it was a great play by Marcus Peters, in which I mean he was almost knocked in half, honestly, when he went in. Um, but so I, I think part of it, I, I, the Bucks are for real. I think they they're turning a corner uh, with Winston at least. Uh, you throw in Godwin, and you you have Mike Evans down there already. You got Shaq Barrett just causing havoc on on defense. Um, that guy looks unstoppable right now. He looks like the best pass rusher in all of football through the first, first four games. Um, and I include Khalil Mack into that argument. I think he looks better than Khalil Mack rushing the passer at the moment. Uh, but then on the opposite side, you look at the Rams and, and Aaron Donald doesn't look the same right now. Um, I think most, I don't think it's cause he's, you know, he's playing worse. I think he's just being double teamed and people are doing a better job of containing him. Um, but the pass defense looks, you know, looks bad at the moment. Uh, they don't have the depth that they had since they lost in Dominican Sioux. Um, I mean, the, the defense does look bad. Um, and then on the flip side, you look at the offense and it's, it's kind of going, you know, not to keep 
throwing Dan Quinn on the ground, but I mean, uh, Sean McVay is kind of doing what Dan Quinn's doing. He's got his number one running back in Gurley. He keeps insisting that he's healthy. He keeps insisting that he's ready to go. And in this game, he had five attempts for 16 yards. He had two touchdowns, but five attempts for 16 yards for, for, you know, the second highest paid running back in all of football. That's what you're paying for is five attempts. Uh, he did have seven catches, but even with that factored in, you're talking 12 touches, uh, for 70 yards for an entire game for, for the second, you know, second highest paid running back in football. So, um, a guy that was in the MVP conversation last year. And so they, you know, they keep saying all this stuff, but at the same time, you're not backing it up. Yeah. And, and also you're talking about high paid players, Jared Goff, you know, he's now the highest paid player in the NFL with that massive contract he got. I don't feel like he's playing up to that level right now with all the picks he's throwing. He doesn't look as good as he did last year. Um, it's kind of puzzling what's going on with this offense because they still have Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods. They still have all these great weapons, Todd Gurley. And, you know, they got all these guys that Jared Goff still can't play very well. It's a little concerning when you just paid him all that money. And, 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 I mean, again, you th- you throw it 68 times in, a, in an NFL game. I mean, this is it's like you're watching Washington State. It's like you're watching a, a Mike Leach offense, uh, 68, you know, 68 throws to 11 rushing attempts. Um, like I said, I mean, you, you have all this money invested into your offense. You have all this money invested into the Todd Gurley. And outside of one week, you know, you haven't used him. And you keep saying he's healthy. You keep saying he's ready to go. Um, but again, you're not, you're not really backing it up at the moment. Yeah. It'll be, uh, be interesting to see how they utilize Todd Gurley for the rest of the year. I I don't know if there's something that they're not telling us or if they just don't have any faith in that he's going to stay healthy. But yeah, I mean, even if they were blowing somebody out or losing, it doesn't really matter. He should get more than five carries a game, no matter what. Yeah. And, and my thing is, you know, McVeigh's kind of mentioned a couple of times about, you know, preserving Gurley for later in the season. He wants to make sure he's fresh late in the season, but at the same time, you're, you're wearing out Jared Goff, you know, you're dropping him back 68 times. That means he's has the defense has 68 opportunities to hit him. And you're talking about 68 opportunities for the defense to potentially hit your receivers and 68 opportunities, you know, 68 more opportunities for this and this and this. And so it's, by protecting one guy, you're putting the rest of your offense at, at a higher risk. So, um, I mean, you're talking five, six, seven, eight guys at a higher risk to potentially preserve one guy. So, I mean, I, I like Sean McVay as a coach. I think he's phenomenal, but his reasoning is is wrong. Absolutely. All right, so let's move on to another overpaid QB. And uh, sorry, that was that was mean. The Vikings passing game struggles again this week against the Bears. Uh, Last week, we kind of asked if somebody were able to stop the run game, could Kirk Cousins get it done through the air? The answer is apparently no to that. Uh, And I'm not the only person who questions their passing game. Adam Thielen, after the game, said, uh, you know, eventually we're going to have to pass it. Do you think they can get this thing corrected or is it just too far gone? I think they can get it corrected. I think it's just changing the offense around, really. I mean, uh, Thielen talked about going vertical, but I mean, you look at say Mason Rudolph with the Steelers on Monday night football, you don't have to go vertical to have a good passing game. Um, you know, all you got to do is give your, your receiver the ball, you know, in open space and let them make a move. And Thielen can do that. Stefan Diggs can do that. 
Um, so I think it's, you know, again, you don't have to throw for 350 yards to have a good passing game. You just have to be efficient. Uh, a lot of completions, you know, it could be a seven yard pass, but don't make it a seven yard pass that you get tackled immediately. Try and get your receiver in, in the open with that seven yard completion to where maybe he can get five, six, seven, eight yards after that completion. Um, and I think, you know, if they can do that, then the passing game, the passing game can get going again. I think their issue is that they keep trying to go vertical and it's not working. And now they're confused on why it's not working. And uh, so I think they just need to really just build some confidence up in that. And like I said, you know, to me, honestly, if if Cousins goes out and goes, you know, 25 of 30 and throws for 220 yards and a touchdown, that's a win. Uh, you know, he doesn't need to throw for 300 yards. Just have a high completion percentage, be efficient, uh, keep the offense on the field, keep the defense off the field so they stay fresh. And, uh, you know, and then just try and run the ball to the best of your ability. Obviously, you know, Dalvin Cook didn't run the ball well this past week, but most of the time he's going to run it pretty – he's going to run it well enough to where that's all you really need to do. So I went back and watched a lot of plays in this game. And the concerning thing to me, I don't, I guess you could say Kirk Cousins I think is getting in his own head, but I think he's also staring down receivers. He's not making any reads. There was a play, and there's actually several plays, but the one that I saw somebody break down, he drops back. They have eight in the box. The offensive line does a fantastic job, gives him a clean pocket. He steps up in the pocket. He has Kyle Rudolph over the middle, absolutely wide open. He has Stephon Diggs down the field, probably 20 yards, absolutely wide open. And he he completes this pass, but he throws it five-yard pass into double coverage to hit Thielen. And it's like he had receivers wide open. He's just not even seeing them. And to me, it's he's either getting in his own head or he's so determined before the play, like, I got to get this to Thielen, that he's not even looking at his other targets, which is mind-blowing because he had several that he could just lob up and they might have got 30, 40 yards easy, but he's just completely missing them. And he's taking the double coverage throw at five yards. And and I think another thing that's not helping is is that the offensive line isn't protecting him uh, either. Uh, the Bears had six sacks against Kirk Cousins, uh, most of which came in the second half. I mean, he was brutalized in the second half. Um, and so I think he may, you know, like you said, I, I don't I think he's doing a, a one read, um, you know, pass. He's not he's not going through the the progression, the, the progression. Um, but I think also. Uh, he's, you know, gun, he's uh trigger happy right now. I think he's trying to get rid of the ball as quick as he can. Cause he knows he's about to get hit. And, uh, you know, we've seen that ruin careers. That's what kind of happened to David Carr during his career. He got hit so much so early that, you know, when he actually would have time, he didn't take advantage of it. Yeah. All I know is, is it's not a good look for that. Now that your wide receivers are questioning you, um, he came out a couple weeks ago and said, if I keep playing like this, I won't be the starter for long. Um, this is a good example of why you don't pay QB so much guaranteed money. Cause even if the Vikings wanted to after the season, they can't really move on from him. He's stuck. I mean, they're stuck with him for at least another year, honestly. So luckily it was only a three year contract. So I think next year is his last year, but I mean, they, if they cut him, it's going to be over 20 million and, and dead money. So actually over 30 million in dead money almost. All right, so the only I think the only way for Kirk Cousins to erase the stigma around him is just to let the ball fly. I mean, he's holding on the ball too long, missing open wide receivers, throwing into coverage. I think what it boils down to is he just needs to to go out there and have fun, just sling the ball around. I mean, he's got playmakers all over the field, so 
that's just what he has to do until then he's going to keep this stigma surrounding him and and honestly it's not going to get any worse if he does that i mean he's already playing poor so what you know what's the worst that can happen he he plays worse i mean it's it's not likely going to happen right all right so in denver the broncos suffer another last second loss on a field goal to jacksonville uh, broncos d finally got a sack but as we talked about earlier chubb done for the year with an acl so uh, what do you think of this game? I know you're part of Minshew Mania over there. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it's uh, it was kind of a a weird game because uh, to me the Broncos defense played well. Uh, they made some plays. They had five sacks actually this game. Um, I mean they were able to get to Minshew. Um, so you know in terms of the pass rush they played well, but then it seemed at the sacrifice of the run defense because Leonard Fournette just just went off. I mean 29 carries, 225 yards. Um, Minshew on that, that pass that he had, uh, one of his touchdown passes when he juked out the entire Broncos defense. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a weird game because like I said, there, there are moments where you look at the, you know, on paper and you say, wow, the, you know, the Broncos actually played pretty well. But then you look at, like I said, you look at Fournette stats, you look at some of the plays Minshew made, uh, and, and they really didn't play that well. Um, on the flip side, the offense, uh, you know, the Broncos, you know, didn't really run the ball very well, but Flacco, I mean, they didn't lose this game because of Joe Flacco. People have been knocking him a lot, but I mean, the guy threw for 300 yards. He was efficient. Uh, he made a lot of plays. Uh, the offense looked good. I mean, this is probably their best looking game of the year, honestly. Um, and just, it just wasn't enough. I mean, the, you know, Gar- uh, Gardner Minshew and Leonard Fournette were just a little too much for, for, uh, for Joe Flacco and the Broncos and Von Miller. And that's without Jalen Ramsey playing. So, um, I mean, with how that, that AFC South is, is shaping up. I mean, the Jaguars could be real contenders to win it, honestly. Yeah. They've looked really good. And, and the, the legend that is Minshew is growing so rapidly that, uh, I, I feel for Nick Foles cause I don't think he's coming back. Yeah, it's it's if Minshew keeps playing like this, it's going to I mean, fans are going to riot if they put Nick Foles in, which is funny because, you know, like we talked about before, Nick Foles was in this was on the opposite side of this uh, in Philadelphia, where he was the, you know, their gardener Minshew, essentially. And and when uh, Wentz came back, you know, the fans kind of rioted a little bit about Wentz coming back. Uh, I mean, it's. I don't, it's crazy, but it, what's the, the weirdest thing for me is people aren't even talking about the fact that Gardner Minshew is a rookie. You know, everyone's talking about Kyler Murray and how streaky he's looked. You know, he's looked great at times and he's looked, poor, you know, bad at times. And they say, oh, well, he's a rookie. That's going to happen. And, and we talk about Dwayne Haskins not being ready. And, oh, well, he's a rookie. That's, you know, that's typical. And, and Daniel Jones, you know, again, he didn't have a great game this week. Not a bad one, but not a great one. Well, it's a rookie. And Gardner Minshew, I mean, they're not even talking about that. He's a rookie and that he, you know, he was picked way behind these guys. He was a sixth round pick. And this guy, he he's coming in. He looks like a veteran. I mean, he he makes great decisions. He makes, you know, he's playing phenomenal right now. And and people aren't even mentioned mentioning the fact that he's a rookie. And to me, that's it's it's crazy. It's unbelievable to watch. Yeah, I love to see it. It, it kind of reminds me of a Tony Romo story or uh, you know obviously a Tom Brady story where a guy comes in off of an injury and, you know, a lot of quarterbacks were taken before Gardner Minshew, but he's the best of them so far. I actually saw a stat through four weeks. He set a record for the best rookie quarterback rating through four weeks in NFL history. So there's something to that. 
I mean, it's, it's, I mean, and plus, I mean, you can't help but like the guy when he, you know, when he talks, you see his, you know, his uncle Rico video and stuff that uh, I think it was ESPN did. Uh, I mean, he, he, he's charismatic. He plays into it. Um, it's teammates seem to love him. Uh, the fans love him. I mean, he's, he's playing well. They're winning games right now. Uh, they're winning close games and, and that's, what's important. I mean, he looks clutch at the moment. And uh, they're not, you know, we're not just focusing on the blowout wins. I mean, they, he looks good. And, and even against, uh, even against Kansas city in week one, I mean, he, he kind of kept, you know, he kept the, uh, the Jaguars hanging around in that game a little bit, you know, a, a lot more than I think people would have thought, uh, especially for his first NFL action. So, uh, I mean, he, he looks, I mean, he looks like a, you know, like their, their quarterback of the future. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see when Nick Foles comes back. Absolutely. All right, the time has come. We had to talk about it. I know it's going to be a little hard for you. The Cowboys lose to the Saints without Drew Brees. Uh, Saints shut down Zeke Elliott, gained 35 yards on 18 carries or 1.9 yards a carry. Um, And the Saints won without scoring a touchdown. Four field goals, got it done. So I know the talking point all week's been about, you know, the Cowboys' easy schedule. Are they really as good as we think? I personally think it's all overblown. I mean, the Saints are a good team even without Brees. Uh, what are your thoughts after having some time to take it all in? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of an ironic thing. It's it's more funny to listen to than anything because, you know, you hear these guys, uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith and, and all these guys on ESPN or Fox Sports or, you know, NFL Network kind of trashing the Cowboys for losing to the Saints. But then they turn around and they talk about the fact that the Saints still have a Super Bowl caliber defense and they have a Super Bowl caliber offense, even without Drew Brees. And then they, you know, again, they flip it around and make fun of the Cowboys for losing to them. So, you know, the Saints on their own are still a Super Bowl caliber team, but it's laughable that they beat the Cowboys. So it's it's kind of funny to listen to, honestly. I I personally find it humorous. Uh, I mean, the Cowboys kind of shot themselves in the foot. Um, You see uh, late in the first half, they go for it. Uh, I think it was fourth and one and, the handoff to Zeke. Zeke gets the first down and he fumbles the ball. Um, he gets it stripped right before he hits the ground. And uh it leads to the to the Saints getting a last second field goal at the end of the half. You know, that's three points right there. The Cowboys lost by two. Uh and then Jason Winton, you know, he had a, I think it was about a 16 yard gain. The guy's only fumbled eight times in his career or nine times in his career now. Um, but 16 yard gain puts him into New Orleans territory. The ball gets punched out from behind. Um, so they lost, you know, another opportunity for points right there. So, I mean, it, uh, I mean, it was, to me, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a good game by either offense, honestly. I mean, neither offense played well. Um, but, uh, I mean, it was just, I mean, they shot themselves in the foot a little bit. They had some, some mental mistakes. Uh, Tyron Smith got knocked out late in the game, had some fumbling issues. I don't think it's a big deal for the Cowboys. I don't think it's an issue. Um, it's a great win by the saints. It's not a bad loss by the Cowboys. Like I said, they, you know, the saints are still a good team with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I mean, he's, he's a legit quarterback. They, they still have a legit defense and the offense still, you know, the offense, they still got Michael Thomas. They still got Alvin Kamara and they still got a good offensive line. So. Yeah. I mean, one thing's for sure. The Cowboys are going to get another test this week with the Packers. So, uh, that ought to be a great game, but yeah, I, I mean, Alvin Kamara, I mean, it's not like the Saints look great. They didn't score a touchdown. So um, I think the, you know, obviously you've always known, but the Cowboys being America's team are always going to be in the spotlight. So anytime anything like this happens, you get your Stephen A. Smiths talking trash on the Cowboys. So uh, you're probably pretty used to that by now. 
Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's not a huge deal, honestly. I mean, everyone loses games. We, I mean, it was it was an ugly game that someone had to lose and someone had to win. It's kind of like the Bills Patriots, uh, both undefeated. It was an ugly game by both, you know, by both teams, but someone had to win and someone had to lose, and the Patriots won, the Bills lost, and that's kind of how this one was. I mean, you know, only one team in NFL history has ever gone undefeated, so teams are going to lose games. It's going to happen. Uh, you know, it, it it is what it is. Yep. All right. On Monday night, we saw the Steelers put together their first real balance game on offense and defense to get their first win of the season over the Bengals. Uh, Bengals look in rough shape. I mean, they're 0-4, and they just got news that they might be without A.J. Green for a few more weeks. And then as I'm driving home today, I hear John Ross is expected to miss multiple weeks now with a shoulder injury. So what do you make of this Bengals team? Um, I mean, it's the defense is bad. We, I mean, that's pretty obvious. Um, the, the offense, I mean, the, right now they got no tackles. I mean, we saw, we saw the game against Pittsburgh on Monday night. Uh, Andy Dalton was sacked six or eight times. Sorry. Uh, he was sacked eight times. Uh, I think they said he was pressured on 17 or 18 of his drop back. So they, I mean, they can't protect Andy Dalton. Um, Joe Mixon really didn't have much running space, running room, um, so they couldn't really run the ball, but they also couldn't, you know, keep Andy Dalton on his feet. Um, and then, you know, the receivers, you know, because of that, they didn't have time to get open. They didn't have time to complete the routes. And, and, uh, when they did, you know, Andy Dalton was, was rushed and, you know, was making throws on the run or throws as he was being hit. So, uh, I mean, I like what, uh, what Zach Taylor's doing. I, th- I think he's, he's bringing an energy to the Bengals, um, which is, is good, but, they just don't have the pieces right now. I mean, their number one pick in the draft was their, you know, was supposed to be their franchise left tackle and he's out for the entire season. So uh, they haven't been, you know, they've been without AJ green who when healthy, he's a top 10 receiver in football. Um, John Ross has stepped up, but now they're without him and, and Tyler Boyd stepped up, but you know, he's been banged up a little bit too. And Tyler Eifert's coming back from an injury. So, or a lot of injuries, honestly. So, um, I mean, right now they're just banged up and they just don't, they don't have the pieces and in, in key spots that they need. So, um, but credit to, to Pittsburgh, they played a great game. I mean, I, again, Mason Rudolph, 24, 28, 229 yards, two touchdowns, uh, going back to Kirk cousins, you know, the, the Steelers showed that you don't have to bomb it downfield. Uh, Rudolph only had one throw downfield the entire night. And yet, you know, the Bengals couldn't stop him. You know, they couldn't stop that passing game. So. Uh, I think that's something maybe the Vikings should look into. So I think this funny quote from ESPN's Field Yates kind of sums this up. He said, other than left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, and right tackle, the Bengals' offensive line's in good shape. <laughs> I mean, so they, that kind of yeah, sums it up. Yeah, they've gotten – I mean, they've got no one. Um, and and it, it's shown. I mean, again, they can't block for Joe Mixon uh, to get the run game going, and they can't keep Andy Dalton on his feet. I, I feel bad for – for all of those offensive guys. Cause I, again, it, it's, you know, I think Andy Dalton is still a, a legit starting quarterback in the NFL. I think Joe Mixon, you know, I drafted Joe Mixon in, in, uh, in one of our fantasy leagues. And uh, I've had Joe Mixon, I think the last three years and at least one fantasy league every se- uh, season. And so I, I, I like Joe Mixon and, uh, and I say that as a Texas fan and he's an OU running back. So, uh, you know, that carries a little bit of clout there. Um, but, you know, they can't block for him and, and it's making him look bad. It's making Andy Dalton look bad. It's, it's making the team look bad. Uh, but I mean, 
right now it's just you, you got to keep playing though you know you got to adjust maybe slide your your protection a little bit to give Andy Dalton an extra half second or you know maybe do some misdirections and some counters and things like that to get Joe Mixon going but you, you got to do something to change it up though for sure so who I really feel bad for in this whole thing is <laughs> my boy Zach Taylor from Nebraska here so he gets the head coaching job here's since we're talking about hot seats it should be the player personnel entire staff on the Bengals because here's the thing that I hate to see the Bengals who are just continuously year after year, either middle of the pack or worse, somehow has no players. It's like, what are they doing with their drafts? What are they doing in free agency? I can't name one big free agent signing they've had. I can't even really name outside of Joe Mix in the last few years who their top draft picks have been. The, whoever's making the decisions in player personnel is swinging and missing left and right on this team. And Zach Taylor gets to try to, to be this coach of a team that has no one on defense. They don't have any offensive line. Um, they're missing so many pieces. I mean, it, it to me, it's crazy just looking at it. I mean, yeah, John Ross is one of their higher draft picks, but you can't really name any big-name players. They got to do a better job of getting pieces for Zach Taylor. And and again, I think, I think from a skill position standpoint, the Bengals are good. Um, again, like I, I think Andy Dalton is, is a top, you know, 15 quarterback in the league. Uh, Joe Mixon, I think is a top 10 running back, AJ Green. Like I said, when he's healthy, top 10 receiver, Tyler Boyd, you know, he's, he's in terms of number two receivers, he's top five, number two receiver. Uh, now John Ross is looking like he's really got it going. Tyler Eifert's been able to stay healthy. I mean, from a skill position, they look good. They are good. Um, but the offensive line is, I mean, the offensive line next to the Dolphins is the worst in the league, I think. Yeah, and so to me, that's what they, they absolutely need to do. And I saw one person pose a good question, and it was, if you're the Bengals front office, do you trade an A.J. Green for some offensive line help? Because he obviously gets banged up quite a bit. You've got Tyler Boyd. You've got John Ross and, and Tyler Eifert. You've got these good players would you trade AJ Green for some offensive line help? I'd look into it for sure. I mean, I wouldn't pull a Jadavion Clowney and give him away, but I mean, if you can get a second round pick out of John or out of AJ Green, you know, maybe a second and a fourth or something, or a second and a fifth, or even a even a third and a fourth. Uh, I think you have to take it. Honestly, he is getting. I mean, he's around thirty. I think he's about thirty now. Um, so I mean, he's he is banged up a lot. I think if if you can gain an extra offensive lineman or two and gain some some salary cap flexibility, I, I think you have to look into it. You have to make that trade. Yeah, and there'd be teams lining up, teams like the New England Patriots, of course, uh, that just are – they don't have any stud playmaker wide receivers that would love to have A.J. Green. Finally, if it were the Patriots, it'd be a, a wide receiver that finally doesn't have any off-the-field issues that they're trying to bring in. And and on, I hope he doesn't go to the Patriots because the Patriots would somehow you know offer a seventh round pick four years from now and probably get the trade. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, that would be awful. All right, so that kind of wraps up our week four recap. Let's get to our weekly picks. Uh, I don't even really want to mention how bad we did last week. Uh, we both went five and ten, which brings our season totals to thirty six, twenty six, and one for you. And 35, 27, and one for me. How did you feel after this awful week? Um, I mean, we knew that we we talked about there were going to be a lot of close games this last week, and you know, a lot of them are 50-50 games. Uh like Redskins Giants, that's a 50-50 game. You don't really know who's gonna win that one. 
Um, I mean, you know, I, I do. It's no big deal. I, I picked the Giants. Yeah, well, I'm still winning for the season, so back up. <laughs> uh, but I mean, a lot, a lot of 50 50 games. I mean, no one wants to go five and 10. We both had bad weeks again, but you know, you can't have winning records every week. So, uh, it's bound to happen. Um, Let's just say I'm happy I didn't bet on any of these games because I would have done terribly. Yeah. All right, so let's dive into this week's games. This There's a lot of hard matchups in this one, too. So uh, let's start on Thursday night football. We're going to get a great NFC West matchup between the Rams and the Seahawks. Who do you got? I'm going Seahawks in this one. Uh, they're they're a, a team. They're coming off a good win. Um, the Rams, I mean, again, they, they looked bad. They gave up a lot of points, uh, this past week. I'm going Seahawks. I'm gonna go Rams in this one. I feel like they're just way up and down, but we talked about before this week with the crazy bucks game, the Rams have been beating the teams they're supposed to be beating. Um, I think they can beat the Seahawks. I think Jared Goff has a rebound and I think the, you know, hopefully Todd Gurley gets 20 carries and, and controls this game. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> All right, the next game's the Jets traveling to Philly to take on the Eagles. Who do you got in that one? I go in the Eagles. Um, even if Sam Darnold, there's talk that he could potentially play this week. I don't think he will, but uh, I, I'm going the Eagles. They're just they're too good for the Jets. Yeah, I'm on board. I, the Eagles have also had an up and down year, but uh, the Jets, even with Sam Darnold, which even if he does play, I don't think he's going to be 100. percent I know that they interviewed him and he said. Well, my spleen's going to do whatever it does. Like he's ready to play and he's willing to, you know, rupture his spleen. I don't think the doctors are going to let him do that. So I don't think he plays. And even if he does, I don't think he's 100%. So I'm taking Eagles. All right. This one should be interesting. Minshew and the Jags travel to take on the Panthers that are coming off of two straight wins with Kyle Allen at quarterback. Who you got in this one? I'm going, I'm going, uh, the Jaguars. I'm going to stay with the Minshew mania right now. Uh, I mean, the defense, even without, you know, Jalen Ramsey still looks pretty solid. Uh, Leonard Fournette, you know, he complained before the game this past week about how he didn't like the, what the Jags were doing running the ball. They obviously changed that up. He had a huge game. Um, I, I think that's going to be the big difference. And, and, uh, Gardner Minshew is obviously making some plays out there. Uh, I, I think they're going to, I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm, I'm picking the Jags. Yeah, it kind of pains me to go against Minshew, but I'm going to take Panthers here just based on um, Christian McCaffrey <laughs> until he can be stopped. I, I mean, he he got – there was one game where he didn't do well against the Bucks, but other than that, he's been absolutely just dynamite all year. I think he carries him past him, and the Panthers' defense, I feel, is a little underrated. They're they a pretty good team. They do have a good defense. Um, I'm just – I think the offense is going to be a little more balanced for the Jags. All right. The Giants and Daniel Jones will face a tough test when the Vikings D comes to town. Uh, they do get Golden Tate coming back from suspension this week. Who do you got in this one? I'm going the Vikings. This is going to be Daniel Jones' first uh, real test against a, a great defense because um, that's what the Vikings are. They are a great defense. Um, despite the despite uh, Minnesota struggling on offense a little bit, um, you know, Minnesota or, uh, the Giants defense, you know, still isn't very good. I mean, they played well this last week against a bad team, but, uh, I think Minnesota is going to, going to do enough on offense for their defense to shut down the Giants. And, and I think the, the Vikings, uh, are probably going to win this by 10 points. Yeah. I'm with you on this. I think, uh, the Vikings are just going to be too much to handle. 
I think this is actually a good game for, you know, we talked about Kirk Cousins coming out and singing it, getting that stigma off his back of being a bad quarterback. This is the one he needs to do it in. If he comes out and struggles again, it's going to be a long season for him. So I got the Vikings in this one. All right. And this one's going to be one of the harder games to pick this week. We have two completely underperforming teams meeting in Houston when the Falcons take on the Texans. Who do you got? I'm I'm going the Texans. I think they're just a better overall team. Um, I mean, they again they are a little bit predictable, but uh, at the same time, so are the Falcons because they just won't run the ball. And uh, when you when you drop Matt Ryan back and allow Whitney Merciless and JJ Watches to tee off on him, it's going to be a long day for the Falcons. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna. You know, this is this one's a really tough one for me because to me the Falcons are equal to the Texans. Texans are the AFC underperformers and the Falcons are the NFC underperformers, but I'm going to take the Falcons in this one. I think, uh, you know, I'm hoping Dan, Dan Quinn feels the heat of that hot seat and starts running the football. We know that Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley, they have the talent to win against this Texans team. I think they're going to take a close one. Be good. Oh. All right, the Bucks coming off that big win over the Rams travel to New Orleans where the Saints are coming off their own big win against the Cowboys. Who do you got in this one? Uh, I'm going Tampa Bay on this one. Uh, I think I think they're the hot hand uh, right now, obviously coming off a big win against the Rams. Uh, you know, they they lost to the Giants two weeks ago, but they had a huge lead in that game. You know, the defense kind of took their their foot off the pedal a little bit. But, uh, you know, again, I, I think the Bucs are playing well. I think the Bucs are for real. I think this is going to be a statement game for them. I think they're going to send a, a statement to the to the NFC South and the, the rest of the NFL that, you know, they're – you know, they may not be the best team, but they're they're definitely improved. I'm with you on this one. I think it comes to a point where the Saints are going to lose when Teddy Bridgewater can't score points. I mean, if you look at what he's done so far this season, he hasn't been great. And, and Drew Brees' absence, you know, hasn't thrown a touchdown against the, the Cowboys' defense. So I think the Bucks come in and they win a close one. And like you said, at this point, you know, not to do a side note here, but the NFC only has one undefeated team and it's the San Francisco 49ers. So uh, the Bucks can really put their name on, on a, a possible playoff berth if they can get a win here. All right. The three and one bills travel to Nashville, to take on Tennessee Titans who are coming off a win against the Falcons. Uh, I'm assuming that Josh Allen's going to play, but I'm not really sure. So who do you got in this one? I think either way, to me, I think the Titans are going to take this one. Uh, I mean, right now they're, you know, they've, they've looked a little uh, unbalanced throughout the year, Uh, but I I think they're going to get stuff going. They typically start slow and they usually pick up steam toward the end of the season. So uh, I think this is where they start kind of building some of that momentum for that, that mid to late season run right now. Um, And, and uh, yeah, I think they're going to take it. Yeah, I got the Bills in this one. If Josh Allen starts, um, I, I just really like their defense. I mean, you saw what they did to Tom Brady. They've done that to some good teams, and 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 I think that the Bills defense is going to kind of get in Mariota's face and make them struggle. So I'm going to go the Bills in a close one if Josh Allen plays. All right. Is this the week we see Kyler Murray get his first win? The Cardinals are traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. We talked about they're 0-4 coming off that absolute beatdown on Monday night to the Steelers. Who do you got in this one? Uh I mean they're both bad right now, but I'm I'm going 
I'm going Arizona just because I mean they both have bad uh <clears throat> bad defenses, but um Arizona can protect Kyler Murray a little more than than Cincinnati can protect uh Andy Dalton right now. And they they have David Johnson who, you know, hasn't run the ball well this year, but he's he's been a force out of the backfield in terms of catching the ball. Uh and, and Kyler Murray, again, he's looked streaky. Uh, he's Now he's going against a bad defense. I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to gonna do some stuff to, to put him in a, in a situation to succeed. So uh, I know, I'm going Arizona in this one. I'm going to take Arizona too. But one thing to watch out for is, you know, not to bring too much fantasy into this, but I feel like Tyler Eifert is set for a big game. I saw something this morning that the Cardinals are setting records for the most fantasy points allowed to tight ends every single week this season. So they're uh, they're allowing the tight ends to get wide open. They cut um, DJ Swearinger, their, their uh, safety, because he couldn't cover the tight end. So I look for Tyler Eifert to have a big game, but I think with no John Ross, no A.J. Green, I think that uh, Kyler Murray picks up his first win. All right, the Patriots' easy schedule continues as they travel to D.C. to take on the Redskins. Who do you got in that one? Redskins. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm going. Patri- <laughs> I'm going Patriots in this one. I think they're going to win it by probably at least two to three touchdowns. Yeah, and honestly, I don't think it matters who the quarterback is. I got the Patriots winning this one big. All right, next we got an AFC North showdown that should be fun to watch as the Ravens travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Uh, Steelers have been bad this year. Ravens have been one of those roller coaster teams. They look great. They look bad. So, who do you got in this one? I'm going Ravens. Uh, I like what Pittsburgh's doing with Mason Rudolph. I, you know, I defended him last week, um, and he, and he looked good. Um, I mean, he is he's a Big Twelve guy. I like the Big Twelve quarterbacks in the NFL, so uh, I, I do like what he's doing. But uh, I think the Ravens are going to have too much offense, and and I think that defense is going to be looking to bounce back this week. Yeah, I'm going to take the Ravens too. And one one of the crazy things this tells you how roller coaster ride they've had this year. They have two double digit wins and two double-digit losses. So it's either they're blowing them out or they're getting blown out. So uh, it's it's kind of interesting with the Ravens. But I think that, you know, even though the Steelers' defense looked good against the Bengals, they're not a good defense. They were, they're were they ranked in the bottom half. They're over the, you know, below the 20th ranked. So I think the Ravens take this one in a close one, though. All right. Chase Daniel and the Bears travel to London to meet the Raiders. Who do you have in this one? I'm going the Bears. Their defense is going to be too much for for Oakland to handle. I think Khalil Mack's going to be looking for a big game against his former team. Uh, I don't think either offense is going to play great, but uh, when you come down to, you know, it's going to come down to defense, and in that case, the Bears are going to be basically anybody. Yeah, I, I'm taking uh, Khalil Mack over the Raiders. <laughs> I mean, I think he's going to kind of control this game. Uh, especially when you you just talked about how it's a defensive battle. Well, now the Raiders lo- love him or hate him. They're without Vontez Perfect for the rest of the year, so he was or has been their best defensive player this year. So uh, even with Chase Daniel, I think the Bears get it done in London. Yeah, for sure. All right, the winless Broncos travel to Los Angeles to take on Melvin Gordon and the Chargers, who's finally back from the holdout uh, without Bradley and Bradley Chubb. Do the Broncos have the defense to slow this Chargers down and win? And they'll they'll contain them to to an extent, but no. Uh, I mean, we talked about earlier. Uh, Philip Rivers and the Chargers are they're just better with Philip or with uh, Melvin Gordon in the lineup. Now you've got Melvin Gordon coming back. You've got a confident Austin Eckler coming off the bench. 
Uh, you know, the receivers have looked good. Phillip Rivers has looked good. Uh, the defense is kind of finding their own rhythm a little bit now. Uh, I, I think it's it's going to be too much offense, and uh, it's going to be too much offense from uh, the Chargers and not enough defense from the Broncos. I can't believe I'm actually going to say this, but I'm going to take an upset here. I think the Broncos, their defense has been playing well enough to keep them in the games every week this really this year. Um, offense hasn't been great, but I think it's it's uh, it's average enough to get a win with the defense that they have, even with without Bradley Chubb. If you look at the game last week, the Chargers beat the Dolphins, but in the first half, it was not pretty. It was a 13-10 game at half, and they actually were trailing the Dolphins at the beginning of the game. So I don't think they're completely over their early season struggles, and who knows really what you're going to get with Melvin Gordon at this point. He's missed so much time that uh, – and really, you know, I heard somebody say, why would he give 100% if he's just wanting to play to get his you know accrued year in? He might just go in there and, and not play – crazy so i think uh even if he does want to play well he's not going to be completely up to speed yet coming back from the holdout so i'm going to take the broncos by a field goal all right and what should be another great matchup we have the three and one packers traveling to dallas to take on the cowboys who do you got in this one i mean it's it's an interesting matchup because you had you know the first few weeks you had uh the uh, the Packers D playing out of their mind and the offense kind of struggling and and uh, on the flip side you had the Dallas offense playing out of their mind and the defense playing well but not amazing and you know this past week they kind of flipped back you know the Cowboys defense played a great game against the Saints wasn't enough to win Packers offense played a great game against the Eagles wasn't enough to win um, but I'm I'm going with the Cowboys offense bouncing back better than the than the Packers defense. The Packers can't stop the run against anybody, and now you're going against you know the the two time rushing champion, the guy that's average you know yards per carry or yards per game average is higher than anyone over the last three years. Uh, and Zeke Elliott. So I'm going with the Cowboys. I think they're going to run wild on them. Uh, it's going to be a close game because it always is. But I think the run game between uh, for I think the run game for the Cowboys is going to be the difference. Yeah, this one's a really tough one to pick for me. Uh, I would have, you know, I like the Cowboys a lot. I like the Packers a lot. But to me, when you look at it, I think the defenses are both really good. And, you know, I think that the Eagles game might have just been a fluke for the Packers. They, I don't know what if they were looking past them or what the deal is, but they didn't look great. Um, and like you said, the Dallas offense didn't look particularly great. But so I'm going to make the even defenses. And when I look at it, I like Aaron Rodgers better than I like Dak Prescott. So I'm going to have the Packers winning a close one over the Cowboys. Sorry. That's my bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On Sunday Night Football, my Chiefs are hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, You know, this was a really highly anticipated game before Andrew Luck's retirement because it was a postseason rematch from last year. Um, Jacoby Brissett's coming in. Who do you got in this one? I'm going with uh, I like Jacoby Brissett more than I like Pat Mahomes. So, <laughs> no. Uh, so no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm I'm going the 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 uh, the Chiefs on this one. I, I like what the Colts are doing this year. They look good. They look better than I thought they would. Um, I even said myself before the year that without Andrew Luck, I thought the Colts would be picking in the in the top five or top six of the NFL draft, and and they've exceeded those expectations already, I believe. So um, I do like what the Colts are doing, but the the Chiefs are, you know, to me, still the best team in football right now. They are my Super Bowl pick. Um, so I'm going the Chiefs. So here's a crazy stat I read. 
the Chiefs run defense right now is historically the absolute worst through four se- four games in a season ever in the NFL. They're getting absolutely torched on the ground. Um, the only team worse, actually not worse, the second worst team was the Chiefs last year. So they got a little bit worse. They're allowing almost six yards of carry. Um, not that it matters. I think Mahomes wins this one for them. But um, if this was Andrew Luck, it might be a different game because uh, that run game, it could get going. And if you got a quarterback that can get some passes because the Chiefs are going to have to stack the box. I don't know what they can really do to fix this besides loading the box up with Tyron Matthew and just and shutting it down. Right now, they're not doing a good job of it. Carry on Johnson looked like the best running back in the league against them. Uh, and that's been every... You know, we always joke about the Dolphins, how you want to start everyone that's going against them. Well, you really want to start whatever running back's going against the Chiefs because they're good for 150-plus yards and a touchdown. So uh, I think this one isn't going to be as close as it could have been with Andrew Luck. I got the Chiefs winning it by 10. Uh, I, th- I think one thing to look into also is the Chiefs do have Morris, uh, Morris Claiborne coming back. Uh, that's going to add some depth to that secondary. I think you talked about them stacking the box. I think with that depth uh, and with that playmaking of of Morris Claiborne, I think it's going to allow the Chiefs to to drop five back or you know something like that um, and allow them to keep you know six people in the box throughout the night and hopefully try and shut down that run. Um, because I mean Claiborne's an upgrade from from uh, Chardavius Ward and and honestly from Breland. Uh, he may be a little rusty this game, but I, I think it's going to give them an opportunity to keep more people in the box with him coming back. So uh, that could play a factor into the to the run defense a little bit. And watching the Chiefs defense, it's one of the weirdest things you'll ever see. So they're not terrible in pass defense. They're really good at rushing the quarterback. For whatever reason, they just can't stop the run. I think part of that is lack of a, a really solid linebacking core right now. They've got some decent guys, but not great. But, I mean, they get pressure on the quarterback. They're good in, in the pass coverage most of the time. They do allow a few few plays, but uh, it, it's just really odd that they can't stop the run at all. And I, I think with the, the linebackers, that's what's hurting him also is, you know, your defensive line, you've talked about the pass rush. Uh, I mean, that's what they are. Their defensive line is built for the pass rush. Their defensive line is built to shed blockers. Um, whereas when you see those linebackers that are, are great at run stopping, you know, that defensive line, they're they're built to eat up those blockers, to, to clear the lanes for the linebackers to shoot in and, and hit those gaps and stop the running back. And and that's not really how the Chiefs are built. You know, Chris Jones and Okrafer and all those other guys, they're they're meant to get through the blockers and go after the quarterback. And when that happens, it leaves the, the linebackers out to dry a little bit. So. Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you're sacrificing your run game to help your, your pass rush. And, uh, um, I mean, but at the same time, if you, if you go the other way, then, you know, you may stop the run a little bit better, but you're also not going to rush. You're going to be giving the quarterback more time. So, uh, I mean, I think right now, I think the best they can do is, you know, hopefully have that secondary play a little bit better to where they can stack the box and, and, uh, and try and stop the run that way is about the best they're going to be able to do right now. Yeah, and part of it too is I think the scheme. I mean, they're they're literally a bend but don't break defense. They'll let you get they'll easily drive down to the red zone, and then they're hard to score on in the red zone. And and you see teams like the Ravens who tried all these fourth downs and two point conversions. The Chiefs are hard to score in short yardage against. So I think between the twenties, you can do whatever you want against the Chiefs, but uh, you know they shut you down in the red zone. Yeah, they're a, they're a Big Twelve defense. Absolutely. Big 12 offense, big 12 defense. Basically.
<laughs> it works. <laughs> yep. All right. So on the Monday night game, the Browns are going to get a chance to redeem themselves for their last primetime failure when they travel to San Francisco to take on the last undefeated NFC team in the 49ers. Who do you got? Oh, in the 49ers. Uh, and not that I think they're a better team than the Browns, but I think the Browns are going to, they're going to want to make a statement. And I discussed it earlier. Uh, you know, their best bet is to be, is to play balance, but the Browns, I think their egos are going to get in the way. I think uh, kitchens is going to give in to Baker Mayfield and, and Odell Beckham and them wanting to sling the ball down the field and throw it 50 times and give up on the run pretty quick. And I think that's going to be their downfall. Um, and, and I think the, the 49ers are, are too balanced. Defense is good. Passing game's good. Running game is good. Uh, I think that's going to be the difference. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think it's going to be really close, but I think I, there's no way that uh, Nick Chubb has a game he had last time. And when you put the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands, which I think the 49ers will force it, I think there's more chance of mistakes. And, and this 49ers defense has been really good this year, so – I expect a couple turnovers from Baker Mayfield, and uh, I think it's going to be a close loss for him. All right, that wraps up our picks for this week and kind of wraps up our show. Um, Mike, why don't you tell them what they can expect in our fantasy preview episode? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to be going over, again, our deep dives that we do every week, talking about the guys you know that we think you should start at each position, maybe some guys to avoid. Uh, yeah, so it should be should be a good episode. All right, stay tuned.